Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. New and afresh. Uh, my prayer would be that you would have experienced that in the last days. If not, that you would experience it even now, today, as we join together for worship as we come here. I would remind you, has been mentioned already, if you were here yesterday, you saw something about what ministry is all about. When you saw the line start down at this end of the building and go all the way to this end of the building and around the corner. I'm not talking in ones or twos, I'm talking in fours or fives. Our world is struggling. Our world is having difficulty. There is no peace on earth, according to the world standards. When we look at the things that go on around us, we are no different than those shepherds were that night. Did you see what that, how Luke explains that when the angel came and the glory of the Lord shone around them? They were terrified. When I was 18, y'all have heard these stories enough now, and maybe you won't have to listen to too many of them, but when I was 18, I went to work in Danville, Illinois, and I was a brakeman for the L&N Railroad. One of the runs that I used to take was called the Watsiga Switcher, and we left Danville, Illinois, and we went up to Watsiga, and what happened was we changed over to Illinois Central Railroad track, and so we were on L&N track, so we had to investigate the train to be sure everything was okay. It was probably mid-August. It was probably between 2 and 3.30 in the morning. It was dark. Cornfields on either side of the railroad tracks. As the cars sat above me on the bed, I walked down the ditch that was beside, inspecting the train to be sure there weren't any hot boxes. And at 18, I wasn't sure what a hot box looked like, but I knew if I found it, I'd probably know what it was. But uh, anyhow, that's what I was supposed to do. I did that on a train that was a mile and a half long. Now, as I'm walking one way, the train is going the other way, and what's going to happen is I'm going to get on the caboose and leave when everything is done. As I walked, I was thinking about things that were going on. I was thinking about school getting ready to start at Indiana. Most importantly, I was thinking about the 19-year-old girl I left behind in Evansville, Indiana. Her name was Karen. And she's right there. I blame this all on Karen. As I thought about her, as I walked in the darkness of that night, in between those corn rows and the train that was above me, all of a sudden I heard this message. Hey, bud, you got a light? There were four guys that were riding the gondolas that were connected right beside where I was. I understood what those shepherds experienced that night, except for the fact I did it in darkness, total abject darkness. I was scared to death. As a matter of fact, 
In Luke's gospel, the word that he used for fear there, terrified, same word, it's the Greek word phobos. Does that sound familiar to you? When you have a phobia, I tell you what, if I could have, I would have run as fast as I could to the other end of the train, but I couldn't do it. You know why? Because I couldn't breathe, I couldn't talk, I couldn't do anything because I was scared to death. There was no peace in my life at that time. It may be that you're here today and there's no peace in your life. And you're looking and you're wondering, okay, what is this all about? What is this relationship that people keep talking about to me, about what it means to know and trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? How do I experience that? How do I see it? It all starts in the passage that we'll read this morning. Luke 2. When you get done today, when you go home, sit down and read all of Luke 2. And you'll see the message of the gospel lived out. You'll see how God explains to us what this relationship is all about. Because the message that the angel shared with those shepherds is still the same message that God seeks to share with us today. Pretty simple. We have fear in our lives when we go to the hospital, when we wonder whether we'll have enough money to pay the bills, when we have someone that's dear to us that is sick, when we have someone that dies, when we have children that are having problems, when we have circumstances in our lives that would tear us apart. We understand what fear is all about. And our lives are consumed and overwhelmed with that kind of fear. And it stops us. I remember another story. I'll kick one in here. I shouldn't do this. I remember walking when we worked at Buckner Children's Home over by a feedlot. And there were a group of pigeons that were sitting on the ground probably from here to that door from me. And all of a sudden I heard a hawk go, wah! And the pigeons didn't fly off. The pigeons stayed exactly where they were. And that hawk hit one of those pigeons and that was the end of that pigeon. That's how we feel too often in our lives. When we look at the circumstances that are going on around us, we are no different than those shepherds that were in the fields that night. And we are terrified. What was the first word? What was the first message that God had for those men in that field that night? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. That's the message that we need to hear. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ coming into our lives. That is the song that Deanna sang just a moment ago. That's the songs that we've been singing all morning long. It's about God's gift of life that he has shared with us. And where did it start? Where did it start? It started in the beginning. John's gospel is the pretty simple message. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It began there, but we see it fulfilled in Bethlehem. That's where the peace can come in our lives, of a recognition that there is a place that we can go. And I'm not talking about going to Bethlehem, but that we can go into the very presence of God and to experience Him personally 
to know what it is to be loved by a God who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and to be there and to recognize that that babe in Bethlehem is that same person, that same individual who knows the needs that are ours, who knows the problems that are ours, who experienced those fears even though he did not experience them. He was aware of them. And he was able to deal with those things. And the result is the hope of the world that we lit last week was fulfilled in one thing with those shepherds on the side of that hill that day, that they might have peace. The Greek word is Irene. So we have any Irenes here today, that's what your name means. Or if you have cousins or nieces or nephews, I doubt that's the case today. But if you're an Irene... That's what your name means. But God brings us that peace. And God shared it with those shepherds. The world said, we'll show you what peace is all about. And about 20 or 30 years before Jesus was born, Augustus, Caesar, ruled the world. And as he did so, he ruled and coined this phrase, pax, which is Latin, not Greek, but pax is peace. Pax Romana. It was Roman peace. Julius Caesar showed the world what it was all about. He came at a place to, called Zelda. He defeated an army, Pompey's army there. And he sent back this message to the Senate back in Rome. Vini, Vidi, Vici. I think I got those backwards, but that's okay. The last two, you understand. It's Latin, right? I came, I saw, I conquered, and he was headed back to Rome. I can tell you there was no peace in Rome as Julius Caesar marched towards that city with an army of 300,000 men. The world seeks to bring peace in our lives today by the power that it possesses. And all you have to do is look at places around the world where this is going on right now, where power is demonstrated. Do you see peace coming as a result of that power? Do you see that being the answer? Maybe what we need is we need a larger police force to help make a difference in this community. I'm here to tell you this morning what we need is we need more believers who are doing what they've been called to do, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the people that are lost and dying and have no idea of where to go or what to do. That's how the difference is made in Evansville, Indiana. And the call that Christ has given us is to be a part of that, that the message that was shared that night with those shepherds was for all men. Not a select group, but for all men. And that was the message that we saw lived out. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning, as Gary shared with us. We look at what the shepherds heard. These are people, they're unimportant. They're the lowest of the lowest. Who does God choose to share that message with? With people that human beings undervalued. People that the world didn't think were really worth much anything. And yet, they are the ones who get the first message of God's love. I look at my life, and I think about why would Jesus Christ have come, lived, and died for me? 
I'm not worth it. There's nothing about me that makes me worth someone dying for me. And yet God has demonstrated that gift through his son. Why did he do that? Parents, you know the why. You know the reason. Because he loves us. We're going to talk about that one next week. But the message is pretty simple. The love of God is so overwhelming and so difficult for us to understand that we can't begin to relate to what that relationship with him is to be. Because of that love he has for us, we find in him that peace that the world cannot begin to understand, a peace that's shared with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that changes everything. That relationship that we have, the Holy Spirit, is that person, that part of the Godhead that is with us right now, is in this room in such a way he's not floating around ethereally. He's very present in your life one way or the other. If you're a believer here today, he's fulfilling his presence in your life by telling you, yeah, you need to listen. You need to be doing what Christ has called you to do. You need to be living your life. You need to be sharing what Christ has shared with you, with the people around you. But if you're here this morning, <laughs> I love this. He's talking to you this morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he's saying, the answer is right before you. The answer is right here, right now, in the words that you just heard just a moment ago. That God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to Bethlehem for a reason. That he might grow up and fulfill the promise that was foretold of who he was to be. The Messiah, the anointed one, the deliverer who was to come and deliver the people of Israel. Our world is living in doubt and concern. Our world is troubled with all the problems that we have. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ seeks to share his peace with you. Jesus makes it very clearly when he talks about what real peace is. He says, as the world gives peace, forget about it. It's not that kind of key peace I'm talking about. I'm talking about my peace. My peace is different from the world's. And that peace that you have with me, that peace that God brings you in me, is peace with God. That was the message that the shepherds heard. That was the message that they understood. That even God loved even them. We could sing a, a couple of songs. I could ask Robert to stand up right now. You think about that, even me. You think about all the songs that talk about what God has done for us and the love that he shared. We do need to remember the message that's shared in John 3.16, as we've already heard. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him, doesn't make any difference where he's from, what he's got, what he thinks he needs, what he doesn't think he needs, Christ died for you. That is God's message of peace. And that's where it begins. Not in the things of this world, not in who we are or what we have, but God's message is pretty simple. 
Luke 2.10, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you <coughs> good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's the message of what God shares with us. That's what he seeks to do in your life is to bring his peace into your heart this morning. Jesus says in John 14, 27, as he's leaving his disciples this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. If you're here this morning and you're afraid, God calls you to trust him, to trust his message. Secondly, the world would seek to impress us with all it does. God's desire is to care for us. Let me see. You've got time. I'll make this another story, so bear with me. When Karen and I were at Buckner Children's Home, and I told somebody this earlier, we were at Buckner about something different. But, but we were young. We went to a place called the Anatole Hotel. I told this to Nick the other day. It's a huge place. Um, uh, not the, what's the place up at... Uh, uh, the, with the big auto, got the rooms around the building where the gambling casino is. I don't, I don't, don't anybody tell me what the name of it is because you're going to be confessing your sins before everybody. Uh, <laughs> south of Bloomington, you know what I'm talking about? Where the, West Baden, thank you. See, all right, now, did y'all note who said that? All right, I want you to note who said that. The, the, the place there has the rooms around the room. The Anatole did that. The only thing was it was four times bigger than West Baden. Are you with me? This is, place is huge. They had more rooms at the Anatole than the whole of downtown Fort Worth had. This is in Dallas, Texas. This building is mammoth. And we had a conference we were in. The, and the dining hall we were in was huge. And there were probably seven of us or eight of us sitting at the table. And we were impressed. It was beautiful. We had a waiter at our table. Now, some of y'all do this all the time, all right? And usually it's called your mom or your wife, but, but you had a waiter that was just your waiter. Nobody else's. That's, he's just taking care of your table. And we had three forks and four spoons and a half a dozen knives. I don't know. And we had a bowl. Looked like to me it was made out of chocolate that was on the table when we got there. Now, I think I'm, I'm sophisticated enough now to know I believe it was a compote, all right? And so it was like, looked like uh, it was uh, fruit chopped up. But that bowl looked delicious. And so for about 20 minutes, Karen and the other rubes and I, sitting at that table, debated on whether we could eat that bowl or not after we were through eating the fruit out of it. And I thought if they put it, they went to all the trouble to make this thing and put it out, I'm going to eat it. But now how do you eat a, how do you eat a bowl? Uh, that was another matter. We won't get into that. We were overwhelmed. We were impressed. God does not seek to impress you this morning. God's desire is not to impress you with what all he has and what all he's done. Politicians, they seek to do that. Tell you all the things that they'll do, show you, give you, promise you, right? Does that sound familiar to you? Politicians do that. God doesn't do that. God doesn't seek to impress us. What he seeks to do in our lives is to care for us. He seeks to draw us to him. 
that we are in his presence and recognize that it's his presence that's there with us. And it's not us. It's not us. We're not the ones that are doing this. Not someone near us, but God himself who has drawn us to this time and place. And now he seeks to speak to us individually. How he does that, I cannot begin to understand. But you know what? I am not God. And God doesn't intend for me to understand that. He just wants me to trust him. That's why his Holy Spirit is present today in this room. And he keeps saying that to me. He's done it now for over 61 years. Bob, trust me. Quit trying to do everything on your own. Just trust me to deal with this situation. Trust me to help you with this. Trust me to guide you through this. That's what he did with the shepherds that night. He sought to help them to understand what it meant to trust him implicitly. And we think about the nature of who it was that God sent to us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. See if this sounds like something of an impressionable offering that someone would make to each of us, sharing with us the importance that is theirs. Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 3. Who was, <coughs> excuse me, who has believed our message and whom, excuse me, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty, no majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. It's always important for us to remember anytime you're reading something from the book of Isaiah, I want you to remember this. That book was written 700 years before Jesus was born. The smart theologians used to think, you know what, this book was written after Jesus was born until they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know what? Scientists discovered as they began to read those scrolls, the message of Isaiah that was in a scroll that was there reads almost exactly the same as you have in your Bible today. The message that God had was laid at the foundations of the earth. When Jesus called for the world to be created, when Jesus was there involved in that, all those things were done. And now this is the bio that we get on our Savior. Is there anything about him that would draw us to him? Is there anything about his appearance that would make us think that this is the person that's going to change my life? And the answer to that is no. What was it that made the difference? You think about what made the difference in Jesus and the lives of those people that Jesus saw. What did he do? What happened when he was in the synagogue and the people of knowledge heard him teach. They were amazed because they'd never heard teaching like this. 
They never heard the message this clear. They never understood what God was trying to share with them as well as they did when Jesus spoke those words. Jesus seeks to do that in your life and my life every day. And he does it through his word as he shares with us that word and the truth that is there. And he desperately longs that we not only read it, but that we also do it. And that we would live in that relationship, that our hope is fulfilled through what God's promises are. And God's promise for you today is that if you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that God has raised him from the dead, if you understand that Jesus was resurrected from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, and you know what? There'll be a day when I'll see him face to face, but I also know there'll be a day of resurrection for me even as there was for him. When Christ comes with a shout and the graves are opened up and the sea gives up the dead, that I, this body of mine, it won't look like this, but this body of mine will be resurrected. And that is the hope that we have in a Savior. That's the hope of Bethlehem. That that body, that baby had a body. That baby had blood. That baby had life. That baby did everything babies do. And in doing that, he showed and demonstrated he was a man. Jesus did the same thing on the cross. He bled. He hurt. He cried out. But he did all that for you and for me. Why? Because he cares for us. He loves us. And he knows the needs that are in our lives. And because he knows those needs, he seeks to guide us. He seeks to lead us. And he seeks to help us understand his presence in our lives. God's ready to bring peace in your life this morning. The world seeks to impress. God seeks to care for us and embrace us. Finally, this morning, God's design is about us telling others of the love that God has for us. If you look at that passage, I want you to think about uh, Luke, Luke 2, 15. Look what happens. Luke 2, 15 through 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. What was the message that the angel had? Number one, what did the shepherds bring with them? If anybody in this room thinks that somebody brought a drum, come talk to me after the worship service and we'll talk about that, all right? No drums, no fifes. How many of you have a crash or a Nativity scene at the house has got a bunch of sheep around the, around the, the nativity, right? The Bible doesn't say anything about any of the shepherds bringing sheep. What did they do? Hear, I'm here to tell you this. Do you read anything in God's Word in Luke's Gospel about somebody saying, Here, Bill, you, you stay behind and watch the sheep. We're all going to go to Bethlehem and see what God has told us about. Is that there? Do you see that? Maybe I've missed that. Nobody gets left behind. They all went to see. 
Every one of them went to see what was promised to them. And God desires that you and I are about doing that. That we go to see what it is that God has promised us, and in seeing that, our lives are changed because of what God has done in our hearts, and he has given us something. What did they take? What did they bring with them? One thing. They brought themselves. And that's what Christ calls us to do. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what Christ calls to us. He continually called to the disciples, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said the same thing to Matthew. He told each of those people, come, follow me. And that's what he does for each of us. And he calls us to trust him with our lives. Is that an easy thing for you to do this morning? If you say yes to that, I'm going to have a problem with it because I have a hard time with that. I don't want to give up anything. I want to do, I want to make, I want to choose, I want to be the one that's in control all the time. And all the time, Christ is telling me, Bob, no, that is not the way it goes. You entrust everything to me. It doesn't mean that the problems won't come. As a matter of fact, when we're in Christ, the problems are going to be tenfold because we come to Christ. Because the enemy doesn't care if we're lost. He cares if we've come to that knowledge. And what he wants us to do is to go back to where we were before we started. Christ calls us to recognize the same thing those shepherds recognized. And that was, we're not going to miss out on this. We're not going to miss out on this offer that God's given us to see this gift that is lying in a manger. Christ calls us to believe that that message he shares with us is real. And he wants us to follow him by yielding our lives to him completely. And that we do that by telling other people about what Christ has done for us. Of how he has led us of how he has shared with us doesn't mean there won't be problems, but it means we have a hope that goes beyond the pale of this earth. Isaiah 25, Isaiah 25, 8. Turn there if you would with me. Look and see what the message that Jesus has for us is. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all the faces and remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. Why? For the Lord, the word of the Lord has spoken this. Boy, Handel nailed that. I'm not promoting this, but the Messiah is going to be at Trinity Church, I think the 16th. And the glory, the glory of the Lord. And then he comes back in for the, <laughs> for the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. That is the message that we need to understand of God's love of his presence. That is what it means to know God's peace. That when we look around this world and we recognize all the problems that we have, that we know that God is with us. And because of that, that's just what his name, Emmanuel, God with us. And he wants to be with each one of us that are here today. 
And help us to understand that he knows our hurts, he knows our pains, he knows our sins, and yet he still loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us that we might know God personally, face to face. That's peace. That's the real peace on earth. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. I thank you, Father, for the hope that has come before in so many lives. The anticipation, Father, of what you would do for those who have come before us that didn't know about this hope. They just simply hoped that you would fulfill your promise. Father, you've done that. We know that. For 2,000 years, the church has known that hope has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem, the Savior who died on the cross. But Father, that peace is something that the children of Israel and the church has struggled with for years and years and years. It's not any different now than it was back when Abraham was doing it, but he trusted you and he followed you and he gave his life to you. Help us to be more like him. Not to be worried about where we're going, just to know and thank you, Father, for the fact that you're with us as we travel. We thank you, Father, for what it means to have a Savior who is willing to give himself for us. And we pray right now that if there's someone in this room that has never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their peace. Today would be the day they would have peace with you because they have done what you have asked them to. Come. Come, come and see, come and see what I've done for you. Father, that's what you call us to do, simply to trust you. Help us to take those lives you've given us now. For those of us that know that message, and you help us to proclaim it. We don't talk about the map that's in the foyer much. We see the results, Father. We see the hundred plus people, hundred plus conversations that have been shared about not come to church, but come to Christ. Help us to be about sharing that. Help those efforts that we had yesterday to reflect that. Help the lives of those who were there yesterday who have come today to understand what it's all about. The why of what we do as Grace Baptist Church is all about what Christ has done for us. He gave himself on Calvary's cross for our sins. And those sins are put away from us now because of that hope we have in him. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.